Welcome to the Holistic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Scollin, and each week I interview everyday people who have transformed their health and the amazing souls supporting them on their journey. Be inspired. Today I'm speaking with Julia Wesley. Julia used to doubt and second guess every decision she made. It was paralyzing. She was always looking for some other source to validate what she knew was right for her, or at least what she hoped was right. Everything changed when she stopped looking for someone else to validate and define her. Instead, she became the authority on herself. Realizing that she had to show up fully as herself, as authentically as she could be, was revolutionary. It brought home the understanding that to fulfill her mission and purpose here, she had to be us herself. She is a teacher, an acoustic record reader, and soul blueprint aligner. She helps reacquaint people with their home frequency and reorientates them to the importance of living their life in the now. She has been called to help people remember their power and divinity, and she wants to help the planet move towards reunification with the rest of the universe as the sovereign masters we truly are. If you're like me and you love this spiritual side of life, you're going to love this conversation with Julia. I particularly enjoyed our discussion about past lives and how they can be impacting us from living our now life. Julia and I would love to know your takeaways from this episode, so head over to Instagram or my business page on Facebook, Susan Scollin, and share with us. See you inside. Welcome, Julia, to my Holistic Health Podcast. I'm super, super excited to dive into this topic today with you and hear all about your journey and where you are in the world. So thank you for being here with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> so tell me what life looks like for Julia now. What's, what are you doing in, um, in the world and what, what is your day-to-day? Well, what I'm doing in the world, um, it might seem a little odd to some people, but I'm a medium and I'm an Akashic Records reader and I'm also a soul blueprint healer. And so those seems like a bunch of kind of just weird words, but basically that means that I um, connect with my spirit guides and we go into this dimension place, sort of like the cloud of the universe. And um, I pull information for people. I help people get into alignment with who they are and focus on their now moment. So a normal day for me uh, doesn't look normal. It's a little different every day. Sometimes I'm working with clients. Sometimes I'm creating new content. Sometimes I'm, you know, in my own personal practice. And uh, so, yeah, it, my, my day is interesting. It's different. Um, it's definitely different than even how it was just a year ago where I was doing a normal nine to five. But this mm. is life now. It's beautiful. And I love that you're into this. You've, you've fully accepted who you are and you're in this space, you know, 100%, which is really cool. It took time because I was so very, um, I guess I, to make it funny, I was very focused on my muggle life. <laughs> but, um, yeah, now it, it did take a little time to fully sink into, yes, I am a medium. Yes, I can say that out loud. Yes, I can tell it to other people. And it's so much fun now that I've done it. Yeah. And what was, well, maybe we kind of go through your journey and then we'll figure out whether, whether sort of turning point for you was. So tell us what life was back, you know, before this and what was your, what was your turning point? Yeah. Interesting. So I guess to start, I had been sort of jumping from job to job, never really happy, uh, never really satisfied. Anytime I wanted something different, I just went to a different job. I was mostly an administrative assistant, mostly did customer service work, mostly talking to other people, communicating with other people, dealing with them. I guess the sort of emotional bombs, you know, diffusing them, that kind of a thing. And I 
was very, very unhappy. And so I guess this goes back even a little bit further. When I was in just ending elementary school, going into middle school. So for us, that'd be like seventh, eighth grade. I was about 13. I was really, really dealing with depression and anxiety. And that had haunted me for about 10 years. And I finally moved. I live in Nashville, Tennessee now. And I finally moved here. And that was when um, I didn't have anyone counting on me day to day to be fine. It was just me and everything that I was trying to avoid, everything I didn't want to feel. And so I dove into meditation. And through meditation, I found a healthier way to deal with my depression, my anxiety, those feelings I didn't want to feel. And almost as an oopsies, a fringe benefit, um, a side consequence of that, I started having spiritual experiences, um, a whole bunch of them. And it's funny, most of the time people have one spiritual awakening moment, but because I kept brushing mine off... (laughs) I had quite a few. So the one that finally stuck for me was I was in this current apartment, believe it or not, and I was sitting on my couch and I was in meditation and I had just accidentally picked up some intuitive information for my grandma. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I brushed it off. And then one of her guides literally walked up to me. I'm seeing this in my mind's eye, but he walked up to me. He flicked me on the forehead. I felt it. And then he walked away in a huff. And so I opened my eyes and I saw this little, this little sparkle, this little really concentrated form of energy. And it freaked me out. So this is the one that I took seriously. And then it's just the universe, the stars and the universe just sort of aligned in a way where I was like, I need answers immediately. There's a mediumship workshop happening in town like two weeks later. And I was like, I'm, I'm signing up for it. And then it's just, you know, the dominoes kind of fell and here I am. Yeah, that's a beautiful journey. And it's funny that you say like the... The media, the um, the guides will keep showing up until you pay attention, and yes. it's like our like we've got the inner critic, and then we've got our intuition, and our intuition will keep talking to us until we're ready to yes. listen. So, kind of how some people could probably relate to that um, that aren't yeah. spiritually minded. Yeah, it was really funny, and I was coming from such a um, left brain place, very academically minded, wanted empirical proof that this was a thing. <laughs> And so every time something weird would happen, I would just brush it off as, oh, that's just a weird thing the human brain does. You know, like it sees, you know, sometimes the kitchen just glows with an electric blue color, you know, and that's fine. You know, sometimes you just see a small sun appear in front of you and it makes you very happy and that's fine, whatever, you know. And it's funny because in my, in my head, I'm like, "Eh, whatever, it didn't kill me, you know, like I don't need to pay that much attention to it. And, um, then it was a thing that slightly freaked me out that I finally started paying attention to. Um, and isn't that just how it goes? I'm, I'm very stubborn and my guides are aware of that. I have a relationship with them. And so they lean on my stubbornness and my, the humor, the way I deal with myself. And so, you know, that's why they had that guy flick me on the forehead. They're yeah. like, can we work together now? Can we start taking this seriously, Julia? Can we pay attention? Yeah. So how did you actually deal with it? Because I know a lot of people are quite you know, left brain driven and go, yeah, this, you know, clearly that's something that my brain's just doing. I'm not sure if it's real. It's like even a a conversation, say you start a new face, you know, face cream um, or morning, you know, face routine, and then you go, I'm not sure if it's the creams that I'm using, but my skin is getting better. So it's very similar kind of conversation around, I'm not sure if they're real, but I'm enjoying these conversations. So how did you move through that piece? So there was a part of me that was like, if this is real, 
then I want to experience it myself. Like, I want to know, what is it like? And so after the mediumship workshop that I did, I actually started mentoring with the person who hosted the workshop. And through that, every time I gave a reading to someone, I was like, oh, crap. Like, that, I didn't make that up. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't. That came from someone, and that was so specific. I remember one that really sticks out to me. I had picked up on someone's grandma for the sitter, the person who was getting the reading. I described her to a T, what she looked like, her personality, what she did for fun. And then she gave me information about her son, which would have been the sitter's father. And I think he was Puerto Rican. And I'm like, I'm seeing a bunch of baseball cards like under his bed. Did your dad like baseball or something? And she was like, oh, my God. You know, and so it was every time something like that would happen, I would be like, wow. Like, I didn't know anything about the sitter as they were sitting in front of me. And then I would just keep getting all this information, which was weird enough. And then to have it validated by someone else, I think, is what you're looking for. Also, there actually is a lot of study out there. Um, if even, <laughs> even the CIA in, in America has um, studied these things and tried mm. to put them into practice. And so it's not, quote unquote, normal, but it's not as if it's been disproven. This is mm. actually a thing. Like it happens, you know. And so that was how I dealt with that myself. I was mm. like, well, I wanna, I'll, I'll know. I'll be the definitive answer on this. I'll know for myself whether or not it's real. And that's how I dealt with it, right? Because I'm like, I don't want to trust anyone else. I want to do this myself. Mm. I want to see. I, yeah, I love how you say that, that you had to, you know, see it for yourself and, and yeah. made that decision. And that was how your belief grew. And you could see then the evidence, you know, what was coming in was actually right for that person. And that was, I mean, yes, there's lots of books and stuff out there that you can read, but it's the actual you know, clarity comes from doing the work. So you created the clarity in your own mind from doing the work. Oh, clarity comes from doing the work. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And often we get stuck in the, I don't know if it's real, I don't know, all the stories that come up. But, yes, if we get into the whole um, just doing the work and having conversations, that just is really transformative. It is. I completely agree. And that's still sort of the mindset that I take with my guides when they give me a new piece of information or when I'm going into the Akashic records and I come across something that seems like crazy to me, Mm -hmm. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll grill my guides. I'll be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) How can this be real? (laughs) And, um, so it goes through this, then I end up coming across information and I get downloads and understandings and I'm like, all right, fine. If you think so. (laughs) I will surrender. Yeah. <laughs> and surrender is probably the hardest part. It's the push against it, isn't it, that kind of yeah. goes on. And then there's this constant battle and then you're like, okay, all right, I'm done. All right, I'll just do it. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I am so stubborn. But I actually think that one of the really important things that you do in spiritual development and in practices like this is you practice your discernment. Mm-hmm. And part of my discernment process is really vetting the information that comes through but also making sure that I'm in a place where, where was I when I got this information? Mm-hmm. Was I judgmental? Was I in a bad mood? Was I in a bad place? Or was I in a sort of neutral place, just willing to receive and accept with an open heart? And once you engage in that sort of discernment, then you can, then you can start chipping away at your suspicion and your disbelief. And you can be like, all right, maybe that's true. Yeah. 
And just maybe the world is crazier and more wonderful than I thought. Yeah, and just accept it and keep moving yeah. forward and share the love of, you know, your passion in life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So take us back to the depression um, and how is that manifesting for you? And do you think at the time that you were of depression and anxiety, do you think that you were having, um, like, interaction with the guides at that point? So I definitely was. They were always there for me, but I was not paying attention to them. Um, I was the kind of kid who always was a little bit more aware than I should have. Um, And that, of course, I was having spiritual experiences my whole life, but because I was not supposed to be having them or I had just brushed them off at a certain point or because I was just in such a low place emotionally, I didn't take any of them seriously. Um, so I, they were definitely communicating with me, but they were giving me such hopeful, joyful things that I couldn't. I was like, well, everything's horrible. Life is awful. And so this isn't real. Um, but I, I do remember there was a turning point moment where they did really show up for me. And it, it's it's one of those things that I lean on even to this day to be like, you know what? Life doesn't have to be horrible and life can be fun if mm-hmm. I give it the chance. Yeah. So really staying open to whatever's happening and being, yeah, and choosing, yeah. And choosing, absolutely. It's the choosing. Was your family supportive or were they aware of what was going on for you? Yeah, so my family's really cool. I really won the lottery when it comes to my family. Any good karma points I had saved up, I cashed them on, cashed them in on my family. Um, We all, I, my we're pretty spooky, all of us. So we're very into watching like the ghost shows um, I don't, the dead files is a really great one. Medium Amy Allen, she'll go into like this haunted place and she'll pick up on the craziest stuff and mm-hmm. she'll work with someone to, uh, a sketch artist and she'll s- describe and sketch like people who have died and someone will bring in a picture and they'll be like, Oh, that's my grandma. And, um, it's just amazing stuff. So we love watching that. And, my dad is big into aliens and Bigfoot. So when they finally realized, they're like, you're a medium, you, you know, tell us about the aliens, you know? So it was really, it was really fun and really cool. They were open to it and they're very, very supportive. I was the one who had the hardest time with it. Not, not any of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's really sweet. And I love that. that, Yeah. Tell us about the aliens and Bigfoot and whatever other conspiracy theory that's out there potentially. (laughs) Did JFK actually kill himself or did somebody else kill him and it wasn't, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald? And... Uh, yeah, it does get to a certain point where I'm like, you know what, I'm not Google. Ask yes. yourself. <laughs> yeah. What do you believe? Yeah. yeah. You ask your guides. I'm done. <laughs> so tell us about the Castic Records and how does, you know, what, what are they and how can we utilise them in our own lives? So the Akashic Records is basically an, um, an energetic record of anything that has happened, will happen, or ever could happen in the universe. It's basically, it's um, it's like the apple. It's the cloud. Um, you store all the information up there and you pull it down when you're looking something specific. When I work in the Akashic Records, I'm typically working with guides. So when I work with a client and they want an Akashic Record reading, With me, what that looks like is we're trying to help you unidentify with any other parallel concurrent lives that are 
your soul is experiencing at the moment and to help you focus on this now moment. So I'll pull your information. I'll get your name, your date of birth, you know, where it happened. And then I'll go to a guide and say, hey, if you could compile all the information I need for this person, that would be great. And so it's pulled from the Akashic Records, which stores all that information. They give it to me and then I pass it on to you with all the healing that's involved, any sort of cord cutting necessary. And that's what it's like. Basically, to keep it really simplistic, if you were to think of the Akashic Records as a giant hall of records or a giant library, that's that's pretty accurate. Yeah. And your guides are the, you know, the go-between to get that information. Yeah. Yeah. Because the way that I, I see it, um, it's sort of none, none of it is compiled. You know, it's not really kept in, in neat books, neat and orderly. It's sort of like how, you know, a, a page website is not loaded until you scroll down to it, you know. And in the same way where I have to call something into being before it's manifested, that's sort of what the Akashic Records is like. However, if you work with an Akashic Records guide, they have so much more experience and knowledge about how to compile that information that it's so much quicker and easier than if I were to run around with a butterfly net trying to compile all that information myself. Yeah, I love that. And we do that in so many areas of our life, run around with the butterfly net and, you know, miss so much. (laughs) But if we just stop and be present, we can be in that space. So tell us why it's important for you to be in the now, like to work in the now. You mentioned in our pre-chat that you often have people come to you who are looking at those past lives, but it's not about the past lives, is it? Not at all. Um, And actually, in my work, I don't like to use the term past lives. Time is nonlinear. It's omnidirectional. You can go in, in any, you know, point or direction, time period, place in time, it doesn't always have to be earth. So when you're coming from the soul perspective, when you're, when you're no longer looking through the lens of Susan or through the lens of Julia, all of a sudden time doesn't need to be a progression from point A, B, C, D, all the way to Z. It can be anywhere, anywhere we're going. So when you at a soul level are identifying as someone who was persecuted as a Salem witch, what you're doing from an energetic perspective is you, you were never actually the Salem witch. Your soul may be having another concurrent parallel life that is going through this, but again, it's not you. You are a unique being specifically crafted and created to have your experience. So when we talk about karma, what you actually do is you create karma when you go into the soul perspective and pull from another lifetime for an identity, a reason why you're going through something in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. Maybe you feel persecuted. Maybe you feel uh, bullied. Maybe you don't feel accepted. And so you're like, I really identify with someone who is persecuted for being a witch or maybe any other religious persecution. And so you pull that, you take that karmic magnetism into this current life and you start recreating it and reliving it and re-experiencing it, but in your unique way, because you are unique and you're you. So when it's so, so important when you are trying to focus on your now moment to not try and live anyone else's life. Pain doesn't need to be re-experienced like that. It's not necessary. Suffering is not part of anyone's encoding and blueprint. It doesn't have to be the way things are. So when I am cutting all those cords to the past, helping you 
unidentify with that other person. What I want you to do is I want you to focus on who you are now. Because living in the joy of who you are now is what's really going to help you live in the most expansive way possible. You'll figure out what you came here to do, what you came here to express, what you were created to be, and how you really came here to heal. Um, Just living and expressing who you are as a person is actually how you can help heal the world if you want to get really dramatic about it. But that is, that's why we're all here. We're all here to be ourselves. So you really do yourself a disservice when you, uh, I guess, pull on a pain lineage like that and say, well, I was a, a French peasant or, you know, I was a German nobleman or a noble woman. And you keep, you keep pulling from that experience. You uh, lessen the power and the impact of your current experience. If you try to keep and try and get power and identity and validation from other people, you don't need it. Yeah. So you're actually living someone else's life effectively. Yeah, exactly. And this is an extreme example, um, but I I give it just to say, so Saddam Hussein believed that he was Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar believed he was Nimrod. Now, I don't know if this is like hard fact, but there you can find crumbs of it within history that they believed in this reincarnation idea. Now, Saddam Hussein tried to rebuild Babylon Mm -hmm. and Nebuchadnezzar tried to rebuild the Tower of Babel, right? And so they weren't actually the same people. They just thought that, oh, I will be this great tyrant or king. I will rebuild this. And I need to fill myself up with this power and this validation. And the reason why I want X, Y, and Z was because I was Nebuchadnezzar. That's not true. (laughs) So you keep uh, pulling on and recreating the pain. We hardly ever recreate anything beautiful and kind and nice when we're trying to pull from a different life or a different identity in the Akashic records. You're almost always, I'm going to say always, recreating the pain of another lifetime. Because if you were happy, fulfilled, and in love with who you are, you would be like, no, of course I'm not. I'm not this other person. I'm me and I'm enjoying it. So that's why it's so important. It's sort of upsetting the apple cart because there are a lot of people out there who was like, no, I definitely had this past life as a Floridian housewife and my husband killed me. And I'm like, okay, you know, I mean, if you're, if you really need that identity, I'm not going to rip it out of your hands, but just know that you don't need it. And that's the main thing, right? Yeah. If you need to hang on to it, you hang on to it, but let's. Yeah. Perhaps unpick yeah. where you where you want to be because if it's affecting your life now, and it's bringing up negative things for you or you're creating negative things in the world, then I believe that you want to look at that and and let those things go. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and that that's all my work. I want you to fall in love with who you are now in this yeah. now moment. I want you to make the most out of it because yeah. you will only ever be you. I mean, we're all special snowflakes. We really are. So you will only ever be you this one time. You're not going to get a chance to do this over again. Yeah, because every single human is unique. Like, Yeah, people don't believe that. Like there's there's a lot of uh, crowd herding. Like if you come and do this, we'll come and do this together. Maybe it's a workout class or whatever. We'll go for a walk and therefore we're the same. But you're actually not because you walk differently to how I walk differently. Your arms swing differently. Everything is very unique to you. A hundred percent. I believe that wholeheartedly. And so when I... And I also tap into people's soul blueprints through the Akashic Records, and that's what I'm focusing on. What is your ego identity, right? But not in the pain identity, the joy identity of your ego. What does that look like? What's your blueprint? How were you created? How were you built? 
And um, so that's, that's another way to get you to focus on the joy of who you are, because this blueprint will never be done again. Mm. It, this is it. This is you. And so let's take advantage of it. Mm. Let's be you. It could, it could be fun. You don't know. You're not trying. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how you said, you know, we don't have to live in pain in this lifetime. We don't have to be all negative and, and struggling with our life. We can actually find joy in the simple things and create joy in every area of our life. That doesn't mean we dismiss emotions that come up for us, but we can be joyful. Yes. No, absolutely. And I think that the way that we can relate with our emotions is what will bring us joy, right? Because the way that we relate to anger is what makes anger suck. And if we were to just allow it to move through us, then the experience of anger wouldn't necessarily be as traumatic as it is currently. So it, it is all about coming into wholeness rather than just trying to be joyful all the time. Because if you're trying to be joyful all the time, how stressful, <laughs> you know, like you yes. can never be happy. <laughs> never, ever. You can't <laughs> let yourself. So it's first of all unrealistic and second of all you're human man like you're human for a reason and you came here to experience all of this and and to to love the full expression of it you know and so that is another reason why it's so important to focus on your now moment whatever that moment is so that you can love it and bring it back into wholeness again yeah and live in the live in the present yeah yeah So you touched on that time is not linear and a lot of people believe that what happens on the clock is exactly what happens in life because time is one of our um, resources that we can't get back. So can you talk around that and how it's not? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, not even really linear on earth. So I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I traveled to Japan last year and if I, like, theoretically, I knew that time was nonlinear, like, it didn't make any sense. It was just a construct that we had created to give us, you know, something to measure ourselves against. The time change from Nashville to Japan was enough for me to be like, why do we do this <laughs> to ourselves? I'm, this is awful, you know? So time, it's not even the same. It may not even be the same day in Australia or in Japan right now than it is in Nashville. So time is not... Time is a construct. We've made it up, you know, like the earth is one place, but it's different, different things are happening at different times just with on it, you know, on the surface of it. So it's crazy. What's time to someone who lives in a different solar system entirely? Mm. It's just perspective. It's just how we're choosing to look at things in this moment. When you come from the soul perspective, The soul doesn't need time. It's completely irrelevant. It's almost as if everything is happening in this one moment, this now moment, which seems a little crazy, but because it doesn't need to go backwards or forwards. It just needs to be exactly where it is. Everything is happening perfectly. Everything is happening right on time. And because there is no measurement of time in the way that we do it, your soul is able to have an infinite amount of experiences at the same time. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons why you may be picking up um, on being a, you know, a Floridian housewife in the forties was because perhaps your soul is having an experience where it was a Floridian housewife in the forties. But again, it's still not you, but it's why you're able to tap into that. Energy is because time is nonlinear. 
And it's also how you're able to tap into your guides and how I'm able to even tap into the Akashic Records is because that information is always there all the time, no matter from where I'm oriented. Yeah. So how can people experience or what are people experiencing in their own life that could indicate they're attached to a previous lifetime besides obviously bringing in the trauma? Um, Is there some sort of like planetary or you know, movement, things that happen within our bodies and within our minds um, that they would, might be experiencing and not be aware of? So this is a good question. I don't know about planetary-wise, but if you're, if you're wondering, I wonder if I'm pulling from karma from a different lifetime and you're not someone who claims that, you know, you have been this other life, if you're going through something, that doesn't necessarily seem solvable to you. Like you've been trying, you've been working on it forever. It just keeps coming up and you're like, who is this? This isn't even me. I don't know why this is happening. Like, let's say it's a family issue. May not be your karma. That's why you can't solve it. Um, Let's say perhaps you keep, your car keeps breaking down and you're like, what is happening? You know, maybe you're picking up on the karma of a soul who was going down the Oregon Trail and, you know, your, your wheel keeps falling off your, your wagon. You know, maybe you're feeling some sort of mobility issues. You know, I can never leave my home. I'm trapped. And so every time you try and get into the car, it breaks down. If you have these beliefs and you have no idea where they keep coming from or you have these recurring experiences in your life and you're like, again, like I thought we did this already. Like I thought we were done with this. It's possible that you can be picking up on karma from other lifetimes. You could be reaching for identity and validation and reason and power in another lifetime. So basically, anytime you feel disempowered in being you and you're looking for other people to validate you, there's a good chance you're creating a cord either to another lifetime or to another person. That being said, it's actually possible to pick up on karma from your current lifetime as well. You can pick up on your dad's karma. You can pick up on, you know, your, your great aunt's karma and and try and live that and heal it through yourself, but it's not possible. So that's why it's so hard. And that's why you can never do it. You know? Yeah. So finding your own voice is really important. Would that be a fair statement? Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. (laughs) So how do people, when they, people come to you, how generally are they like are they open and present and ready to ready to dive into all of your work or is there some resistance and then it's just about you staying open and sharing with them how do people generally turn up to you you know what's funny sometimes it's a little bit of both generally if you're getting an akashic records reading you're open to um the unexplained the woo for lack of a better term so you're open to that idea When I do a soul blueprint alignment, sometimes people, sometimes their guides have drawn them towards me and they're like, I keep coming back to you and I don't know why. So let's just do this thing and get it over with. (laughs) Um, And so sometimes that is me just waking them up a little bit to who they are and what they can do and what the full expression of them looks like. Um, And so sometimes it takes a little time for that to sink in for them to be like, well, okay, I guess, you know, but Typically, I don't have to convince people of this work. Um, it's it's a lot. 
of work, <laughs> especially in Akashic Records reading, because we're doing timelines, we're doing other lives, we're doing your life, the creation of you, what was that? It's a lot of energy healing. It's, it's a lot. So I will say, no matter who you go to that's going to be doing a spiritual practitioner, the more willing and open you are, the more transformative the work will be. And so I would actually caution people generally to wait to do this until they feel ready for it, because then you'll see the most payoff and the most transformation in the least amount of time. And it's interesting because people do push back on it or just go again back to the original comment. Like, I'm not sure if it was, you know, getting the reading, seeing her, but this is, you know, the flow on effect to what I'm having in my life. They, you know, they can be open to it, but I think you touched on a really good point that it's not just go and get it done once. It's kind of keep coming back to it and using somebody like you, like working with somebody like you who can actually guide you and then you go and implement some things and then you come back and you guide them again and then they go back and do some work, isn't it? Yeah, it is. A lot of the times it's like that. Now, sometimes you will get the magic unicorn who is just ready, right? And you give them the reading and they're like, oh, thank God I'm done. Like, let's go be magical. That has happened. I've done that. Um, and it's really, really cool, but you have to be really ready. You have to be like so done with your stuff that you're just ready to drop it all. But sometimes you do need a little support and sometimes it does help to, I record all my readings and I send them off to whoever I'm reading. So sometimes it does help to, if it's taking you a little bit to integrate it, to go back and go over the work that, you know, you did together with your spiritual practitioner. And sometimes it does require another session. But it really depends on how much you're not going to fight yourself. Mm. Yeah, and how much you, yeah, you're open to it, you stand, you show up for yourself and no matter what happens that you just go, I can, I can deal with whatever comes out of this and I can work forward from that. I had a, um, met with a medium during 2020 and um as soon as I committed to a time, she said, I'm getting downloads for you. I didn't meet for her for, with her for another two weeks. And then she was like, you need to come in. You need to sit down. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Like she, just, she goes, I hope you're open. I feel like you're open to this, so I'm going to share it and see how it goes. She was really kind. Um, but it was really challenging for me. Um, but I knew what she was talking about. So it was really interesting to watch that. It is really funny. As soon as you make the decision to the commitment to do it, yeah your medium or your spiritual practitioner will start getting information on it. You'll be like, why am I getting information on like this all of a sudden, you know, and it's a lot. And you're like, oh, cause you were coming. Yeah. <laughs> so it is kind of funny, yeah. but that's a good example of if you have a client come to you and they're so, so resistant, sometimes the information can be a little bit like trying to pull, you know, like teeth, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's almost like easing you into it. We have to be really gentle and really kind with the information that's coming through. And I also want to say there's really no need to be afraid. Sometimes the information that comes through um, may be challenging, but it's always in an effort to get you more into alignment with who you are. I will say this with a little uh, disclaimer. Sometimes you will come across uh, people who are more fear-based And they will give you like doomsday predictions and yada, yada. Do not ever take them seriously, please. I will just say that as a blanket statement. 
time again is nonlinear. You get to choose your timeline. I one time had someone give me like a doomsday reading and I was like, I don't want any of that to happen. And first of all, I didn't even ask you for this reading. So how dare you? And um, none of it has come true (laughs) because I didn't want any of that to come true. So you do have the power of choice. So if you do have something that comes through in a reading and you're like, absolutely not, you get to tell it no. And you don't have to live that way and have that experience. So try not to go into a reading like that with any type of of fear. It sort of hinders the healing process. Um, And just sort of know that you're going there for your best intentions. And what will come out of that will reflect that. And so it's just all here to get you living with a bigger heart and more love for who you are. Yeah, and I love how you say it's all about choice. Years ago I read a a star sign reading and then I just literally lived it over that week and then I was just like, hang on a minute, like, great. Yes, they can be true, but like you said, I don't have to accept any of that stuff. I can choose what I want um, and then and do it consciously, which is really cool. Yeah, no, it is, isn't it? Because sometimes you'll get information and you'll be like, yeah, I 100% don't want that. And so you get to say, I'm going to live in a different way. And it's almost empowering, I think, doing it that way. Yeah, and I think the whole message we're talking today is about empowering yourself to make choices to move forward. Like I like to believe that the people that are around us have been with us for years like it's not just this lifetime that those souls have sort of moved through and and come into and been with us you know been with my soul for, for over those years but it's it's really that whole what am I learning now and what do I want to get out of my life now and empowering myself to make those decisions and using the Akashic records to do that um, and just sometimes it's about validation like you know mm-hmm. that you are meant to do this this and this and you're like oh my gosh I'm so grateful that, like you said, I'm so grateful that now I have this information. Let's just go do it, you know, Um, and then choosing from that place. Absolutely. And validation is so powerful, Mm. really, honestly. And I think sometimes we as spiritual people or as people who are at least very open, very kind, we're afraid of maybe our own uh, grandiosity. We can think it may be a little ego-based and we're like, oh, I don't think I'm that big. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. And when you get that type of validation, you're like, I knew it. (laughs) I knew I could do that. I knew I was that big. And that can be enough for people to go out and be like, I'm not just being an ego when I'm doing this. Like, this is actually what I want to do. And to sort of understand that, um, of course, it's not ego, right? Because what may be big and grandiose to you is like something no one would ever like, well, whatever, you know, travel the world, you know, in, in an RV, see if I care, like I don't want to, you know, yeah. and that may seem really cool to you. It seems really cool to me, but to other people, they may be like, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, indoor plumbing for the win. So um, yeah, just, just keep in mind that not everyone wants to live on the beach. Sometimes some people want to live on the mountains sure. and, uh, but no matter where you're living, you are meant to be, big and impactful in anything that you do. Love that message. So tell me, how do you receive your messages? Because there's different ways to receive messages, right? Yeah, so I'm also a channel. I get a lot of channel information. I get a lot of downloads. When I'm doing a one-on-one reading, like we're looking at each other and I'm I'm, um, trying to connect with your guides, I get a lot of clairvoyant images, clairsentience. I get feelings and senses and knowings, um, claircognizance. 
that is mainly how I pull my information through. Um, sometimes I'll use clear audience. I'll, I'll maybe hear a fraction of a song or I'll hear a word or I'll hear, you know, a voice or something and I'll pull that through. Um, so that's typically how I get my information, but most of the information I get, I get it in downloads, um, which sounds weird. I say downloads and people are like, what are you talking about? So it sort of seems as if a big chunk of information has just fallen into my head. Sometimes I get it all at once and sometimes I'll be like, oh, there's something knocking around in there and it'll come in in little bits and pieces as I'm ready to accept it and open up to it. Um, But channeling is primarily how I get a lot of my information from the Akashic Records. And basically that's just my ego stepping out of the way a little bit to make room for, you know, another identity or energy, I guess, to consciousness is probably a better way to put it. And they have the information that I'm looking for. So I'll let them speak and tell me what I need. Um, And that's, that's typically how I do it. That's my favorite way to do it. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. So tell us about the work that you're doing in the world. Like, how do you support people? What is, what does that look like if somebody wanted to come and work with you? Yeah, typically. So the, the, well, what I'm really doing is what we were talking about earlier. I really help people fall in love with who they are right now. Who were you intended to be? Who were you created to be? Who could you be if you gave yourself the opportunity to? Um, really helping people unidentify with pain, helping them identify with the joy that they came here to experience and express. I really do that through working consciously with the Akashic Records, um, helping people understand you know, what energies went into creating them, what they are here to express, how they can do it, their purpose, essentially, to put it in a pretty bow. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get a lot of fulfillment out of that work. And if someone were to work with me, it would really look like, you know, it's it's kind of funny. When I first got into this, I was very focused on like, what's my job? What am I supposed to be? I have, I have someone I can ask now. Guides, tell me, am I a banker? Am I a NASCAR driver? Give me a title. And they would never give me a title that made me so frustrated. And it was just this really hard way of teaching me that um, you are your purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So we're looking to figure out how can you express yourself in a way that's fulfilling to you and in a way that will support you. So the answer is always be yourself. Like the universe is so ready to pay you to be you. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's what we're looking for. That is really how I hope to serve in the world is to help people heal their relationship with their ego, their understanding of their ego, you know, unwrap all the chains of pain and, um, you know, debt cycles that we're in, and then hopefully move into a future that is in more alignment with your heart-based expression and in a, in a world that takes care of everyone. That's what I hope. Does that sound too big? No. I think it's big and beautiful. And it gives people hope, doesn't it? It gives them hope to dream and go, you know what, I could tap into this and just start looking at it a little bit at a time. Yeah. Taking those small steps. Yeah. Yeah. I I hope so. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you would like to add? Anything I haven't touched on or we haven't touched on? Um, No, I don't think so. I guess I would just say that if it makes you feel as if, I'm telling you all that you're a bunch of unicorns, you know, like you're magical and you're special. Uh, Consider the possibility that you are, you know, I mean, we're all human. So we all have that in common. But at the same time, we're all different. We're all a little bit different in a way that makes us sort of wonderful and special in the way that, you know, Sesame Street taught us when we were kids or your preschool teacher taught you. It's true. 
you know, if you would tell it to a kid, why wouldn't you tell it to yourself? You know, be, be just as kind to that four-year-old as, as you would be kind to you. Don't poo-poo on your dreams. You know, you'd never tell a four-year-old, no, of course you can't be a fireman. That's unrealistic. You know, like if that's that kid's dream, you know, nurture your dreams in the same way that you would nurture a preschooler's dreams because, you know, you deserve that same kind of kindness and your life, you deserve for your life to be fun, you know? And that, why wouldn't you let yourself have that? So if it if you see a way for your life to be fun, to be an expression of you, I encourage you to go for it because that's the universe inviting you to finally, you know, are you ready to be you? Are yeah. you ready yet? You know? <laughs> and I think the answer for most people is yes. And then they say, but I don't know how. And the how <laughs> isn't their responsibility. It's what's the next one thing. Oh, yes. Oh, bingo. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's just your job to show up. (laughs) Show up and do the work, create the clarity as you go along. Um, Otherwise, you're just going to spin in circles on I don't know how, which leads you into confusion. (laughs) Bingo, exactly, yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm a massive believer in self-love. So what is one thing that you do for self-love? You know, the one thing that I do is I either do yoga or I meditate every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do that because that's how I dealt with my depression and my anxiety And it's just a really beautiful way for me to get in touch with what it feels like to be in my energy and to figure out how to like being with myself because that was something that I had a really hard time with. And so I meditate, even if it's for like three minutes a day, any amount that I can do is a service to myself. And so that's, that's my self-love. That's, Mm -hmm. that's what I do religiously every day. Beautiful. And do you do a certain type of meditation? Um, I really like pure consciousness meditation where you're just focusing on this now moment and being as conscious of what's going around you as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's pure presence meditation is what it's most commonly um, heard of, but I love binaural beats. I love um, solfeggio sounds. Those are some of my favorite chanting. Oh, chanting. I love, I love a good chanted om. Um, and then, yeah, when I'm feeling, if I'm feeling really adventurous, I'll listen to a guided meditation, but otherwise it's typically just silence in me and, you know, enjoying that time. Yeah. And a lot of people struggle with being by themselves, like taking that time out. Yeah. Yeah. How did you move through that then? Um, a lot of crying. (laughs) I would sit in meditation and, um, at first it was impossible. Like 10 seconds was torture. But um, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I hear my monkey mind going off all the time, like five minutes, you know, whatever. But then I eventually I I got to the point where I'm like, well, maybe I'll just listen to my monkey mind. And then it started and then it shut up, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I I just I kept going with it. And I it really just changed the way that I related to myself. Mm -hmm. And it helped me see that my emotions just wanted me to let them go you know, and I was holding on to them. And if you're present with them, it gives them an opportunity for them to express. And so that was all a crying. <laughs> and, um, and, and that's how I figured out how to sit with myself and to just be there. And so now every time I sort of sit down in, in meditation and in silence, it's almost a celebration of all that work and the practice that I put into it. Yeah. And the crying is very much a feminine, oh, yeah, feminine attribute. So I think, mm-hmm. You know, it's an opportunity to embrace our feminine more by allowing those emotions to go and go through us and feel what they feel like. And if that involves crying, allowing yourself to cry, 
rather than, like you said, pushing against it, pushing against letting go of the emotions, pushing against the thoughts that are coming into your mind, like you shouldn't be there. You, what's, Yeah, my to-do list is running through my head while I'm trying to sit here and be present. I think once we allow for that to happen, you go, okay, you're there. I can just come into a calm space eventually it doesn't you know and sometimes it's not perfect you know Um, I don't think I've ever done a perfect meditation and I'm not you know I don't think the the best meditators in the world have ever done a perfect meditation but it's that whole hey what does that even look like yeah exactly what does perfect look like and it's it's not a thing well thank you so much for today this has been amazing and I've really enjoyed the conversation and diving into the work that you're doing in the world and I appreciate you being brave and stepping into this place because it's much needed. So thank you so much and thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for for being willing to have the conversation and talk to me about it. I love this. This was fun. Cool. And sorry, I just forgot we didn't get your social media handle. So where can people find and website, where can people find you? Yes, so my website, it's divinerealignment.com. That's the easiest way to contact me. I'm also on Instagram at divine.realignment. I think I'm on Facebook at Divine Realignment 377, but you may just be able to search Divine Realignment and find me. Um, I'm also on YouTube, Divine Realignment, basically Divine Realignment across the board. That's me. And I would love to catch up and, and chat with anyone who's interested in working. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Julia. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. And I have a couple of small favors to ask. If you love this episode, please share it with someone you love and you know the episode will resonate with. Also, to help spread the word about my podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave me a review. I love hearing your thoughts about my podcast and what's resonating with you. Plus, it helps us share my podcast with the rest of the world, which is amazing. Finally, thank you so much for being here. I'm super grateful for you and I'm truly honored you've spent your time with me. Let's keep rising. Let's keep growing because it's totally possible to live a life you love every day right where you are. See you in the next episode.